The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Uh, I want to get into the Word this morning as we do that. I get very excited. Uh, the, the holiday season's on us, obviously. You see the, the decorations and things. So there's something that, that we experience and we've experienced before. Some of you, it may be a little nostalgic uh, because you might be familiar with it. But are you familiar with the Christmas list? Like a, a Christmas, like wish list, so to speak. You know, I mean, I don't know <clears throat> where that has originated or what it is. It, it's, it's just interesting to me. So uh, we've had a few hints dropped at our house as it concerns Christmas gifts. Now, I mean, we don't do anything, you know, ridiculously extravagant or anything like that. We enjoy exchanging gifts at Christmas, and and I've realized that uh, I'm a little out of touch. I've been told no guns and no knives, and I'm thinking, <laughs> no, I'm going to make a T-shirt. No guns, no knives, no fun. Like, what? What kind of a holiday is that? You know, if you can't like cut down the Christmas tree with it, it's not a present, right? In fact, the, the men's party actually has kind of become like a men's knife exchange for the most part. Is that what, it, for most, most of the time, that's kind of what it is. Anyway, the, the point is, is that these Christmas, Christmas, excuse me, wish lists kind of show up on the refrigerator. Now, they used to be, you know, really cute because they were written in, in pencil or crown and letters were backwards and things like that. Now they're like done in Photoshop. They're flyers now. It's more of a Christmas flyer, of and it's awesome. Like you guys do a really good job. It's really cool. You shouldn't be embarrassed. You should really be pumped. I mean, you got a future in marketing, big time. Uh, that's just interesting to me because I looked at them and I just thought, how funny is that? Like, like these are my my children that are doing this, and I and then I just start to kind of you know connect the dots and and let my thoughts just kind of roam on the the fact that I'm God's child, and I'm thinking, I wonder if my wish list is on his fridge, you know. And I'm saying that metaphorically, obviously. I mean, I don't think God has a refrigerator, but you know what I'm talking about. And so it got me thinking about, you know, uh, uh, pursuing God for things that I desire in my life. And, and we've talked about that before because it's a big part of the Christian walk. I mean, God is, is a provider. I mean, we have the banner in here, the Lord will provide. And, and so there's no doubt that that is who he is. And so it's nothing new as far as the topic is concerned, but I thought, what an interesting seasonal thing to talk about, you know, receiving from God or, or God making provision. And that's, that's really what stirs the word, and there's some, a few things that we've stood on in the past, and I want to bring them back up for, for the present. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We'll have uh, Jesus speaking to us in Matthew chapter 7. I want to read verses uh, 7 through, through 12. Now, verses 7 through 12 are going to contain some extra information, but, but uh, they're going to have kind of the foundation of the word here. In fact, as we get into the word, there's a few things that we're going to find, and, and, and here's some things that we can look for. Uh, you know, One, we can find how we're supposed to treat people. How we're supposed to treat people. Now, that's a really important thing. I mean... I really believe that, that our behavior toward one another is extremely important. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very valuable thing to see the Bible's instruction and in how we're supposed to conduct ourselves with one another. Uh, a second thing that we're going to find is the key to satisfaction. The key to satisfaction. I mean, being satisfied is a, is a great thing. Uh, it's, it's actually f freedom from 
a very nasty thing that the Bible calls covetousness, you know, which is when you want what you don't have, and really uh, the key to contentment being wanting what you do have. So we're going to find an area of the scripture here that will reveal to us the key to live a satisfied life. A a third thing that we're going to find is why we have uh, Bible stories. Now, I don't like using the word story because it sounds like fairy tales, right? Like once upon a time and then they lived happily ever after. Really, the right word is history. Like why we have Bible history. When you read through the Bible there, you find all of these uh, historical accounts of men and women uh, doing things and God being involved in those things and, and all of that is, is for a purpose and a reason and it goes beyond just you know good reading or, or good literature. We're going to find you know why we have Bible history and that's also a good reason why we should know our Bible history or, or read our Bibles. So here, here's uh, where we're at here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. I said we're going to find how we're supposed to treat people. We'll find that here in Matthew Uh, chapter 7. However, it's not necessarily the foundation of the message, but it's in there. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, it's Jesus speaking. And I want to encourage you, as you hear these words, as you read these words, consider that he's speaking directly to you. Jesus says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Now, Jesus goes on to say this. uh, What man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, he wouldn't give him a, a snake, would he? If you then, being evil or sinful, know how, excuse me, to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? And then Jesus closes this statement with these words, and this is where you'll find how we're supposed to treat one another. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For in this is the law and the prophets. That's a really powerful statement. Now, I want to pull from that for a moment because that's really not the foundation of the message. The foundation of the message is more about engaging God as far as our desires are concerned. But I do think it's important to emphasize that when we talk about our desires, Jesus attaches that to our behavior. I mean, it's important to see to it that the behavior that we're called to as believers matches our desires. I mean, if we do walk in that way, we will walk free from selfishness and and self-seeking, and therefore our desires will be pure and and clean, so to speak. So as we get here to the uh, first of the verse, I want to go back to that, and I want to lay the foundation for where we're going. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one that seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. So you have these three elements there, the asking and the seeking and the knocking. And I want to talk about those things as we engage with God to see his hand, to see his provision in our lives. I mean, as we do that, I mean, it's important to stop and just kind of introduce a little motivation. I mean, I'm not asking for anyone to respond verbally, not asking for anyone to raise their hands. All I'm asking is that you let the wheels turn uh, in your mind, that you think, are there things that you want from God? Leave a little moment for the wheels to turn there. I'm sure for everyone in the room, the answer is yes, absolutely. There are things that I want from God. I'm wanting to see God do this or make provision here or or accomplish that. 
on my behalf. So once we get that out of the way and we realize there are things we want from God, I think it's important to, to examine ourselves to see, are these things present? Asking and seeking and knocking. And if they are present, where are they at? Am I doing them according to the word, the way the word would instruct to do them? And I, I want to look at those things. Now, some things will be from the word, some things will be from common sense, but I believe that when we combine those two things, we'll have a very relevant uh, pathway to seeing asking and seeking and knocking be an active and effective part of our lives. I want to talk about asking for a moment. I mean, that's what it begins with, right? I mean, when, God, when Jesus is instructing on receiving from God, he opens with asking. So I think that's probably a good place to start when we're seeking from God. Am I asking? Have I asked? I mean, I, I, when I consider what that is, my, my brain kind of hits a, a little bit of a, a brick wall here because I'm aware of, of other elements in the Scripture, and, and it tells me something that's going on here. Let me give you a passage of Scripture here for your notes from Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Matthew 6, verse 8. Jesus is, is speaking, and he's speaking uh, about what God knows. He says, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. God knows what you need before you ask him. But yet now, according to the scripture that we read earlier, asking is the foundational or step one element of receiving from God in this situation. So there must be something that asking does that is very important in the believer's life as it concerns receiving from God. I mean, if God already knows what we need, you would think that, that step is redundant to ask, you know, but it's important for us to realize that step is in there and it's in there on purpose. And I, I think when we begin to examine what asking is, we'll see why it's in there. I, I want to give you a, a couple of thoughts and ideas about asking. I mean, uh, it, it's important to just consider what asking is. I mean, I, I want to give you a second to, to think for your, yourself about that. I mean, what does it mean to ask? You let the wheels turn for a second. You consider what does it mean to ask. I can tell you that, that asking is going to be a, a, a situation in which a request is being made known. You know, and a request being made known is going to uh, uh, be a situation where a demand is not being made, but rather a request is being made. So this is revealing kind of the, the condition of or the state of the heart in the matter. Because there's a massive difference between making a request and making a demand. I mean, it's very easy for us to see this. We can, we can see this in, in everyday life. I mean, I think that uh, there would be a different result if I were to come home from a very long, hard day of work and, and, and walk up to my wife and say, make my dinner, right? Or if I were to come home and say, honey, I had a really long day. Would you mind making me something to eat. Which one of those do you think gets a meal? And which one of those do you think gets a cast iron frying pan to the head? You know, I mean, you can see a huge difference between demand and request, right? So if God knows what we need before we ask it, but yet he still requires us to ask, that means before we can ever receive anything from God, the heart's got to be right. I mean, the heart needs to be in a position of making requests rather than uh, releasing demands. Now, there's a test for this, and, and I think it's kind of a homegrown test, so if you take my test and find out that it's not quite as bulletproof as I think it is, just let me know, because I'd like to get, you know, stronger and, and, and more accurate. But I, I think this test holds up pretty well, and to me the test is, 
Is it a question or is it a statement? Is it a question or is it a statement? If it's a question, then we're, we're in the right realm of a request. If it's a statement, mm, we're kind of in the area of demand. And when I start to listen to my own prayers, I think, man, I am a demanding individual. God, give me strength. No question mark at the end of that. You know, God, give me wisdom. All of these things are statements. Now, none of those things are bad. And, and maybe in my heart, the question is implied. I'm... I'm I think that I'm making a request, but the reality is I'm making a demand. Now, I know God's not legalistic in that way, that he's loving, that he's gracious, and I don't think that he is checking my grammar or, you know, uh, being upset at my poor vocabulary or sentence structure, but rather when I consider my heart. I'm approaching my heavenly father, and I'm approaching him making demands. That is something that I would rather not do. I would rather approach my heavenly father and submit these as requests. So I want to alter that in my, 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 my prayer. That means I want to have that work done in my mind, in my heart, and, and that's a real thing. I mean, it's so different to say, Father, will you please grant me the wisdom that I need in this matter versus God give me wisdom. I mean, are those prayers any different in what you're looking for? Not really. It's just the presentation, and the presentation is 100% revealing of the mentality or the heart. And when we make demands, demands are founded on all kinds of things that are, are not really good places to be found, places like entitlement. I mean, the only time that I ever rightly make demands in a situation is when I'm entitled. Uh, maybe as it concerns authority, you know. Well, I'm in charge, so I don't ask you to do it, I tell you to do it. So if I'm making demands to God, I'm doing it either out of some sense of entitlement or maybe even some a sense of having authority in the situation. And I can tell you as it concerns my relationship with God, there is no entitlement and there is no situation in which I have a higher authority than him, ever. So I'm wanting to throw that out there, not as a, a hey, if you've been praying this way, then you're a sinner. I want to throw that out there. as like, hey, if you've been praying this way, think about it. I mean, just put some thought into it. I don't think that, that it's, it's going to anger God if I ever say, God, give me strength or God, give me wisdom. But I do think that it's worth examining my heart when I pray and praying very intentionally. To be a man that makes requests, to be a man who will ask versus a man who will demand. One who is aware that he's not entitled and aware that he's not in a position of authority. One who is aware that it is God who holds all of the power and that it is God who is seated in the place of authority. And when we come to that place, that really is the place and again, this is my opinion, that is the place of humility. When we understand that there's not an entitlement, when we understand that there's no uh, a, a position of authority that, that makes that demand valid, to me, when we come to that place, we're at a place of humility. And being at a place of humility is a great place to be because that's the place where we can receive. I'll give you a passage of scripture here, uh, James 4, 6. James 4, 6, God is opposed to the proud but gives, will you say gives? I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to ask you to say it again. Gives, will you say gives? gives. Okay, did you hear? he gives grace to the humble. And we're talking about receiving, receiving what God is giving. When we see this passage of Scripture, we can see that, that where the place where God gives is the place of humility, where there's no demand, where there's no entitlement, but rather there's the surrendering of request. 
where those things are offered in the form of questions rather than statements. And obviously, like I said, I don't want to get legalistic or hung up on that, but I think it's a good thing to evaluate. So Jesus is saying as we go to receive from God, the, the first step there is asking, a condition of the heart. Make sure the heart's right. There's no sense of entitlement, no demand, but rather there's this uh, surrendering or submission of a request. And then he goes on to say, seek. The one who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. So as I consider wanting to see God do things in my life, wanting to see God bring things into my life, I come to the place where I begin to understand better, not completely, but understand better what it means to ask. Now I find that the next call is to seek. Uh, seeking is an interesting thing to me. I, I want to give you kind of what, where I, I have landed on seeking, that seeking is, is being in the right position, the positioning that's required to receive. I mean, seeking will always require some form or element of, of movement. Uh, you could say maybe even change. Let me give you kind of a, a slight example. And this is kind of silly, right? But I mean, uh, there are times where I have, you know, allegedly looked for something. Now, looked for is kind of the way we would say sought, and sought would be a different, you know, tense of seek, right? Now, my wife laughed because I think she probably knows where I'm going with this. I'm really lazy when it comes to finding things. <clears throat> and really, this is not a manly thing, right? I mean, what kind of woman wants to be married to a guy who can't find his own socks, right? It's like, that's not, that's, that would not bring a lot of stability into my life if I knew that uh, that was the case. So, but, but I'm really lazy with that. Like, I'll, I'll you know, I'm, I'm looking for something it's not here, honey, where's the whatever? And she'll ask me this question. Now, sometimes this question is worded differently, but it's like, did you move stuff? Now, did you move stuff? Did you, like, did you look behind other things? Did you look under things? Or did you just walk in there, look, and say, I can't find it? You know? Well, I got to admit, most of the time, walked in, looked, I can't find it. You know? Did you move stuff? Well, that's what I mean by seeking is going to involve movement. I think, I think seeking involves movement of some kind. Because, you know, if it was there, I would just see it. And if you just see it, well, you didn't seek it, you saw it. <laughs> but when you're seeking it, you're looking for it. You're searching for it. It involves change. I'm changing the location of things. I'm getting this out of the way so that I can see what's behind it. Because if that's in the way, then I can't see what's behind it and I'm stuck. I think when it comes to receiving from God, we need to be willing to, to, to act as he leads. And, and as he leads and we act, we'll see things change, we'll see things move. And as we see things change and we see things move, we'll see something that we couldn't see before. Sometimes we're blinded by what's in front of us. I mean, we even say that on occasion. There's a, a bit of a saying, I can't see the forest for the trees, right? I mean, it's a little odd saying, and I don't know if I'm even saying it right, but it means like, hey... I don't know where the forest is at because these trees are in the way, right? I understand the trees are the forest, but in this case, it's about knowing what's behind them and then knowing what's behind them and knowing what's behind them. As it concerns seeking, I feel like there's going to be some movement, some change of some kind for seeking to exist. And I can tell you, when I see examples in my life where seeking has taken place, there has been movement and there has been change. And most of the time, the movement and the change has been right here in me. 
A reevaluation of priorities. I mean, oftentimes if, if we were to, to have a, a called time of seeking the Lord together, what we would do is we would move things around to change our schedule, and we'd probably gather and read the Word and gather and pray together, right? And we would call that a called or consecrated time to seek the Lord. But do you see the movement and the change in that? Now, if we're resistant to movement or we're resistant to change, it's going to make it really difficult to seek anything. <laughs> Uh, kind of like me finding whatever I'm looking for. If I'm resistant to moving anything or changing anything, then I'm stuck. And really when we get stuck, that's when things begin to deteriorate. I mean, without that movement and that change, it's hard to have life. I'll give you a passage of scripture. Amos 5.4 says this, For this is what the Lord says, Seek me that you may live. I mean, you could take this, this concept of seeking and say that this is a, a life or death situation. If we're not willing to move things and change things, if we're, then we'll be stuck. And when we're stuck, it, it, things will deteriorate. And by attrition, they will eventually simply fail. And in this case, seek me that you may live is the call that God has, has placed upon our life. And I want you to consider this. I mentioned before we're going to find the key to satisfaction. Now, you may have to read between the lines a little bit here, and sometimes that's a, uh, uh, a thing that we do. But I, I, I'm not sure that it doesn't just take care of itself. I want to read the passage for you uh, from the Psalms, 3410. It says, Young lions lack, they suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. I mean, the, the psalmist here is making a, an attempt to communicate with a, a word picture. You know, to think of probably the most powerful or, or, or fierce predator that he can think of, the top of the food chain, and saying, hey, even this thing over here on the top of the food chain gets hungry, goes hungry, starves. He's trying to create this image of, of something that people would think would not go hungry, not starve, but even that thing would starve. So what he's doing is saying now beyond, well beyond, light years beyond, that thing is this over here. And this over here is the one that seeks the Lord. And the one that seeks the Lord will not be in want of any good thing. I mean, let me tell you something. You can take that passage. You know, have you ever seen a Bible verse where it was kind of like half a verse, like maybe Psalm 3410b? You know, where it's just, you could take that back half. The, those who seek the Lord shall not be in one of any good thing. And man, I think that's a good verse to write out and stick everywhere in your house. I mean, stick it on the fridge. That's where I'd see it mostly, you know. You walk up to the door, put it eye level, see it six or seven times a day. Put it on the bathroom mirror, watch it while you're brushing your teeth. Those who seek the Lord shall not be in one. Yeah. I shake more now today when I brush my teeth than I ever did before. That's weird. Maybe that's a New Year's resolution thing, right? But seeking the Lord is an important thing. And, and here we see that it's, it's a, the key to satisfaction, not being in want of any good thing. I love the way that's worded. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter if I like how it's worded or not, but I, I think it's really important to look how it's worded. Those that seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. I love that it, said, it doesn't say those that seek the Lord will have whatever they want. 
But it says, those who seek the Lord will not be in want of any good thing. There's no good thing that you'll be in want of. If it's good and God has called it to be a part of your life, you're not going to be lacking that thing. It's a, a, a wonderful promise of satisfaction and contentment. And it starts with that seeking, that being willing to move. Now, when I have had to seek the Lord in my life, it has involved things like schedule changes, uh, it's involved things like moving things out of my life, whether it was things listened to, viewed or watched. Uh, there have been things called times of, of consecration where, where things were temporarily moved, you know, times of fasting, things like that. Other times are just times that I would label maturing, where, you know, maybe that used to be okay to watch that program and it's just gone too far and I'm not going to watch that anymore and so it gets cut off and it never comes back. There's all kinds of things that can move, all kinds of things that can change, all in the process of seeking where God is taking us. So asking is a state of the heart. Seeking, uh, being willing to make the moves and the changes uh, to position for the receiving of what we're asking God to do. And then we'll see uh, this, this next one being knocking. I want to I make a statement here uh, as we get into knocking, because I think knocking is really the most difficult part of receiving from God. I mean, the asking part is, is there and getting the heart right, you know, changing the punctuation from a period to a question mark, you know, going from a, a, a statement to a question. Those are things that can be done even out of a, a discipline, you know, and, and, and it, can be, it can be done seeking. We can do that. We can get the support of those around us to help us do Knocking is really hard, and in my opinion, knocking is where the rubber meets the road. Now, maybe it's just my personality. I, I'm a bit of a type A personality. You know, if you were, were to call me up and say, hey, uh, I need to talk to you, you know, do you have any time sometime this week? I'd probably be like, well, can you just talk now? You know, I mean, it's kind of like, let's just get this done right now, and then we don't have to do it later on, you know. So a little bit of that going on. And, and then a little bit of something that's not so uh, good. But knocking is a challenge, and it's a specifically a challenge for me, and I think it's probably hard for most everybody. But I would define knocking here as, as submitting to God's timing. You know, you, you come to the place where you've asked, and you've been willing to seek, where you're making the changes necessary, moving things around, and then now it, it's time for you to just sit and wait for God's timing. Consider what it means to knock, Right? I mean, Jesus didn't say, ask and it will be given to you, uh, seek and you will find, enter and you will be granted entry, but he said, knock, knock. Think about any time you've gone to someone's home and you've knocked. I mean, it, it, what did you do? Well, you got in position, then you stood in position, and you let them know, I'm here. And then you wait. And then you wait. And it's when they open the door in their timing and give the invitation in that you're granted entry. So it's a difficult thing sometimes to do all of these things, to get the heart right and, and then to seek and get into position. And sometimes it's really hard to simply wait. And if you, you have an eye for words, you'll see the word wait is used a lot in the Bible. Wait, just wait. I'll give you a passage from the psalm, Psalm 25, verse 3. It reads like this. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be disappointed. Some of your translations may say ashamed. 
But waiting for God has this powerful promise that when we'll wait for him, if we can humble our hearts and ask and then be willing to lay down or move anything that might be in the way as we seek him and get into position and then simply wait for him to deliver, it word promises no disappointment, no shame. I want to give you a, a, a passage of scripture I mentioned before that... Uh, we were going to find out why we have Bible history and why we have Bible stories. And I, I want to offer that to you uh, here in a moment. Psalm 147.11 reads like this, that the Lord favors those who fear him and those who wait for his loving kindness. I mean, you're going to find the same concept throughout the, the scriptures uh, in the Psalms and through the Proverbs and throughout the, the Gospels and even uh, in the, uh, the, the prophets and in the books of Moses, you'll find the same concept that waiting for God leads to satisfaction and delivered promises. And that's really where I want to go with this next passage. I mentioned we were going to find why we have Bible history. Let me give you this passage of scripture as we begin to, to close here. Hebrews 6.12. <clears throat> now Hebrews 6.12 is, is kind of coming in here, and we're going to take, uh, take it from, from the context that it's in and simply acknowledge what it's saying in and of itself. Hebrews 6.12 is this call on my life and your life, and you'll see this call repeated, especially by the Apostle Paul. It's a call to believers. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. <clears throat> I've heard a lot of sermons over my lifetime on faith, trusting and believing God uh, to make a way, trusting and believing God to make provision, trusting and believing God to deliver on his word in every way, shape, and form. And I think it's really fantastic that faith is included in this verse because faith is absolutely necessary. I also think that it is fantastic that included in this verse is patience. Because faith without patience is a nightmare. I mean, it will drive a person completely batty. In fact, it will drive a person to compromise. I trust and believe God to do these things, but I don't have time to wait for him to do them, so I think I'm going to go this way instead. I've done that before. I could give you examples of, of those things where I began to, to take matters into my own hands and in those situations, uh, the results varied. Uh, there have been a number of times where God has stepped in and intervened and done things on my behalf. There have been other times where, where those things were, were used in wonderful ways and, and, and they were not catastrophic. But then there's been other times where it was disappointing. But for us to imitate those that have done these things, it's important for us to know their, the things that they did. It's why it's important to read about men like Abraham and women like Sarah, men like Noah. When you consider the things that Noah did, can you imagine, as, uh, if you're a married man in the room, can you imagine going home to your wife and saying, uh, honey, God told me to go cut down a whole lot of trees and then drag all that wood back to the house and it's going to be a big pile in the driveway for a little bit. So I hope you don't mind, you know, parking on the street for a while. And then I'm going to take our kids out of school and we're going to dig a big boat. I know you don't know what a boat is, but I'll explain it to you, you know. I mean, think about this. It's unbelievable what, what these people have accomplished 
at, at a word from God. And all of those things are recorded not for our entertainment, but for our edification. That's what the, the, the word the Bible uses. So that we can get stronger and realize, wow, God has done great things through men and women just like me. And he's going to do great things through me too. And I need to understand what made this happen. Well, two things. One, faith, and two, patience. And when we know their stories, when we know the history, and we know what happened, it can be so uplifting and so encouraging when we feel like we're walking through a situation or walking through a circumstance that nobody else can relate to. What you'll find when you're aware of those who inherited God's deliverance or his promises through faith and patience, that you're not alone. There have been those before you who have walked through the fire. And their faith and their patience should set the example for us to live by to get the same result. The same result being God's deliverance, God's provision, God's promise. I want to close with a passage of scripture because I think it's absolutely necessary to close with this. Now when Jesus is speaking of asking and seeking and knocking and he's talking about the giving of gifts and, and, and you know, speaking of our Heavenly Father who's good who's not evil, and, and how much more will he give us good gifts? Jesus is speaking about a specific gift in these things, and it's important to emphasize that. Though asking and seeking and knocking can be applied to every aspect of your life as you uh, pursue your life receiving from God, it's specifically attached to the promised Holy Spirit. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here for your notes. You'll find the same passage recorded by a different gospel Luke chapter 12 or 11 excuse me I want to give you verses uh, 5 through 13 but specifically I want to read verse 13 and you'll get the same thing the asking the seeking the knocking the one that asks receives the one that seeks finds the one that knocks opens and then when you get down to verse 13 you'll find that Jesus is specifically addressing the power and the presence of the promised Holy Spirit Verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now I want to say this because I think this is important to say. You could preach this and teach this as a, a message on the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Whether you want to, to in, uh, refer to that as a baptism, whether you want to refer to that as an indwelling or, or whatever vocabulary you would want to use. And, and I would be 100% okay with that. But I can tell you that there's a need in my life for the Holy Spirit to function and be active every single day. That the asking and the seeking and the knocking for the Holy Spirit is not to have some one-time event take place where, wow, I got goosebumps or I spoke in tongues or I felt warm all over and I really was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but rather every single day of our life is a day in which we are equipped to ask and seek and knock for the promised power of the Holy Spirit to be active and powerful in and through our lives. It's what separates us from the world. It's really the release of the anointing of Jesus Christ through your existence. The reason for being washed clean and purified and, and, and made white as snow, as the word would say. God's promise of provision in and through our lives is something that I want to have take place in and through my life intentionally and on purpose. I want to live a life of asking and seeking and knocking. 
I want to not make demands on the Holy Spirit or make demands on our Heavenly Father, but I want to submit the request and be humble in heart, free from all entitlement. And I want to be willing to move anything out of the way that grieves the Holy Spirit, anything out of the way that's corrupt or idolatrous, anything out of the way that is sinful or unjust or unrighteous. I want to be willing to move those things as I seek Him and as He reveals those things to me. And and then I want to be able to knock. I want to be patient. I want to be able to be in position, knowing that my heart is right and simply trusting that the rest is up to God. And I can tell you, as you begin to move and minister in the Holy Spirit, that is a tremendous challenge. I've had a number of times where you've been ministering to someone and you just, you just think, well, if I can just pray longer or harder, something will happen. And no, what you need to do is you need to do everything God's called you to do and trust that he'll do the rest very difficult thing sometimes. But as we commit to being a people who will ask with humble hearts, who will seek, willing to move everything out of the way, and who are willing to knock and be patient and allow God to do as he said he would do in his timing, we'll be a people who are satisfied by the things of God, walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost and the power that God has blessed us with, the authority of the name of Jesus, will be the body of Christ, the force of the kingdom of heaven on the earth today. I want to be a people who can ask and seek and not. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning when you can. I want to pray for us this morning and ask God to do a a work in our hearts and our minds to to rethink the idea of, of receiving from him. We get very grounded in, in our ways. I mean, a word like traditional is not a bad word, but things can become a, a habitual where it just becomes a habit. You can have good habits and you can have bad habits. And habits in and of themselves are, are, are not bad things. It just depends on what the habit is. And if we've developed bad habits as it concerns receiving from God, if maybe we are demanding in our prayers and we need to be uh, more willing to to ask, if if we find ourselves making more statements than asking questions, perhaps we ought to ask for a, a change in those habits. If we're unwilling to move and change things, if we're stubborn and stuck in ways, then that's something that we need to 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 have uh, God do a work in our hearts and in our minds. And if we find that we're impatient. Where, where we are, are willing to do the things that God would call us and ask us to do, but we just wished he would just hurry up. First of all, there's nothing wrong with you. Second, learn from those who have inherited. See the history in the scripture. Those who waited. I mean, can you imagine God promising you that you will have your son and being in your, what, 80s? I mean, these are are pieces of history that are meant to inspire us to realize that nothing is impossible with God. And if we can come to the point where we're asking, we're seeking, and we're knocking, we'll come to a place of satisfaction. So I want to pray. I want to close with this. And I want to trust and believe that God is present to make this a reality in and through our lives. There where you're at, I want to ask you to join with me. You can be in the mentality of receiving or a state of agreement. Father, we bless your name and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus. 
that he would make a way possible for us to stand as your sons and daughters. And we ask, Father, for you to reveal any habits in us that are a hindrance to us receiving from your hand in any way, shape, or form. We're in such desperate need for your counsel and your direction, your provision in every aspect of our life. Will you show us and teach us how to ask, to be humble in heart and to trust that you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you will do. Let our lives be free from all entitlement and free from all demand. Let us willingly submit our request to you with faith-filled and humble hearts. And give us the courage to seek that we would be willing to move all things out of the way that are a hindrance and a stumbling block to us receiving from your hand. Let us be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we wouldn't justify actions that are unjust, but that we would simply lay them down when you would call us to. Let our lives be open to you. Let all things be evaluated. Let what you love and you desire stand and let all of those things that are a hindrance to us walking in righteousness be laid aside. And make a way for us to be a patient people. We thank you for the example of those that have gone before us. Let those examples come to life in and through our lives that we would look upon what they have accomplished and what you have accomplished through them. And we wouldn't simply be encouraged by those things, but that we would be informed and educated by those things, taught how to live, that we would receive that instruction and with zeal and fervor go and apply those things to our lives to produce the same result. Let faith and patience abide in us and let it bring us to a place where we can wait for you and your timing. Let us be a people who will ask, who will seek, and who will knock. And let the satisfaction of your provision fill us with joy in every aspect of our living. We bless your name and we thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. All the saints declared, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at jameschurch.com.